The Holy Gospel comes to us today from the book of Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. I'll continue on because it's not on the screen. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone asks what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What we have before us today on this All Saints Sunday is Luke's, what we call Luke's Sermon on the Plain. I don't know if Luke or Matthew had a debate in elevation per se, but Matthew calls it the Sermon on the Mount. Luke calls it the Sermon on the Plain. Quite frankly, it's the same sermon, similar, but this is what we have before us. What we do know is that this sermon, the uh, the one sermon that's been recorded in Scripture that Jesus gave, It's one of the most difficult words that we hear. Amen? So we go back to the beginning. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. What this is not saying is the poor are blessed and the rich are not. What it is saying is that when we are poor, we remember the covenant and the promise that God makes us makes with us because I think at some points in our lives, each and every one of us can resonate with a moment in time in which we felt poor. Amen? And this is also that moment in which we scratch our heads because when the Lord says, when Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor, when we've been in those moments where we are poor, it is hard to feel blessed. It's hard to feel blessed. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Again, I I think many of us could uh, struggle to find a time where as Midwestern Americans we can genuinely say we were hungered to be unhungered. But when we think of those who literally are scraping by wondering when their next meal might come to them, again, I think it's hard to feel blessed. Blessed are those who weep now, for you will laugh. But then we jump to the next section where we hear the woes, the blessings and the woes. Jesus goes on, he says, 
Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. In other, woe, in otherwise, woe to you when life seems to be going well. Amen? Amen. What Jesus is pointing out here is that all of these moments in time can never be sufficed on this side of the cross, which brings us to the sermon title of the day. We are on this side of the cross. We are on this side of the grave. And everything that has just been prescribed here of blessings and woes seems rather unattainable, seems rather unrealistic, seems like maybe, just maybe, I want no, nothing to do with what Jesus has to say in this moment in time. But that is why we need to go to the next few verses, which, by the way, make the blessings and woes that much more difficult. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Okay, Jesus. How many of us are going to raise our hand to jump up for that, uh, for that moment in time? Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you in one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That great famous golden rule, thank you Jesus for including it right at the very end of the blessings and the woes. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So why is this an All Saints Sunday text? Brothers and sisters in Christ, our world cannot wrap itself, it cannot wrap its mind around the other side of the cross. What we do have before us is Jesus, God in the flesh, looking upon the crowd on the plain, telling them exactly what he longs for humanity to be. Jesus, God in the flesh, is looking out upon them and reminding them of what it means to be a human being, what it means to be an obedient human being, living in concordance with what God had given them as law. And I imagine that the faces listening to Jesus in the sermon are looking back genuinely perplexed as to why it is that he's saying the words that he is. Just as perplexed as every single one of you looking back at me right now. Which is not me equating me to Jesus, it's me giving his words and you guys saying, okay, I have no idea how that's ever going to be accomplished. However, I want you to also know that just because I say that on this side of the cross, most everything Jesus just said is unattainable, does not mean that we go out those doors afterwards and just throw it all to the wind, amen? Do we strive to help the poor neighbor down the block when we notice that they need help? Absolutely. Why? Because Jesus says you do it. But he doesn't say it for the sake of your personal salvation. He says it because your neighbor needs it. Amen? Amen. And woe to us that hunker down and come up with every excuse under the sun of why we don't help those in need. Love thy enemy. Hmm. 
not so sure I want to jump on board with that one, Jesus. Love my enemy. Love my enemy because that is what we do. Or let's jump up a couple verses before that. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Well, how many of us love those words of affirmation? You did such a good job. I mean, we look forward to our annual reviews at work. Do we not, amen? Right? And we love those words of affirmation. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. But when we go back to those blessings, that section, and um, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject you in the and reject your name as evil because the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. And now, Jesus, you're saying, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Again, Lord, I think not. On this side of the cross, it is nearly unattainable. And that's why we give thanks for Jesus and the cross. Because there is no one in this world, there is none of us, no matter how hard we try, that can actually fulfill these words. I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn, on, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who, seeks, uh, who asks you uh, and give to them what belongs to you. Do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. As Jesus is arrested, taken into the courtyards, stripped, beaten, slapped in the face, spit and mocked on, and he stands there in silence, who is the one human in the flesh that has ever been able to accomplish any of it? Jesus. I had this gift the other day. It didn't feel like a gift in the moment. On Friday, which is my day off, typically, we strive for it, I get a phone call in the afternoon saying, Pastor, will you come sit uh, with my loved one as they are dying? And I hung up the phone, I said, well, I said yes, and I hung up the phone, I didn't hang up on him. And the sinner in me was frustrated. Just wanted a day off. Sometimes giving the gospel comes on God's watch, not mine. Actually, all the time giving the gospel comes on God's watch, not mine. Amen? Out of respect to the family, I will not say their name in the sermon and I've been informed that they listen on the radio often, so they know who they are. And that moment in time, that Friday afternoon, was a gift. Sitting there for some time, that time uh, with, with this person who is told that they are dying, there is nothing they can do. We had a time of reflection. We had a time of what I might call confession. Got to listen to the life story, got to listen to the joys in, in this person's life, but what I spent a lot of time listening to was the pains, the mistakes, all the times they wish they could have done it differently. And they said with their diagnosis, the one gift that comes with it is that they have had time, time to strive to reconcile, time to extend the apologies, time to do unto others the way you would want to be done to you. 
And after all of this time of reflection, and after all of this conversation, they said, they finally looked at me and they said, Pastor, what do you think? I said, I think none of that matters, does it? I said, because within days, maybe weeks, none of this side of the cross, nothing that we have lived and strived for in life, all the mistakes we've made, nothing in any of that matters at this moment, does it? And this person nodded and they had the biggest smile on their face. They said, um, I've always tried to be a Christian. I've always tried to do the best I can. I've always tried to obey God and obey Christ. And man, I've messed up. And I said, it's okay. And he said, when that moment comes that I close my eyes, I get to go to the other side, don't I? We get to go to the other side of the cross. The other side of the grave. But for those of us right now that do not have that diagnosis, for those of us right now sitting in these pews, for those of us that cling to those blessings and woe statements, what we do have is we have a Lord who does that for us. What we do have is a Lord that goes to that cross. What we do have is the king that is going to come down and give us the gift. The gift. My wife and I had a wonderful conversation the other night. We were talking about obedience, being obedient to God, which thrusts us right into the lesson this morning. Are we to be obedient to what the Lord says? Yes. If we aren't, it's a mockery of everything Jesus is striving to do for us. We are to be obedient. We are to follow the laws. We are to live within it the best of our abilities. Why? Because our neighbors need it. Because those that look, at, look to us as models in their life, as mentors in their life, they need it. Because our children and our grandchildren, they need to know what boundaries are, and they need to know what is proper in society. Amen? They need it. But when we get caught, when we get wrapped up, when we get so guilt-stricken and anxious in life that we haven't done enough or we haven't done it right, it's always going to lead to further heartache, further anxiety, and further chaos. Brothers and sisters in Christ, even the church is not innocent of this. Our entire culture right now is so wrapped up in this attempt to love your enemies to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those who mistreat you. And I actually digress that that's all a lie, the way the culture is playing it out. Because all we're doing is drawing lines in the sand. All we're doing is creating groups and functions and laws and rules and regulations and movements that say absolutely opposite of all of that. If you truly loved your enemy, we wouldn't be marching in the name of something else. Amen? If we truly loved them and we truly wanted to forgive, and if we were slapped across the the cheek, we'd give them the other cheek. And our humanity does not allow that to take place. Because we'd rather harness the anger. We'd rather harness the frustration. We'd rather harness all of it because we think in some twisted humanity way of thinking that it gives us purpose. And that purpose is exactly why Jesus went to the cross. That purpose is flipped on its head. If we actually lived in perfection, if we actually attained in perfection what Jesus says in this sermon, 
dispatch, law enforcement, attorneys, politicians, they'd all be out of a job overnight. And humanity would be a utopia. And utopia doesn't exist on this side of the cross. Maybe Jesus, maybe one can make the argument that Jesus has given this whole sermon tongue-in-cheek because Jesus knows where he's going. Jesus knows why he's here. And Jesus knows what he must do. So on this day, on this All Saints Day, we lift up the saints. And to my friend who's sitting in a recliner at home with death knocking on the door, we give thanks that that cross is the gate in which we enter in. We give thanks that the life after death is the truest promise and blessing given to us. On this All Saints Day, the names of all those that I just listed, the names that are in our hearts and minds that we know have also passed in our life, the gift, the promise, the words, you are a child of God, the words and the promise of eternal resurrected life, that is the gift that they all have received. That is the gift that we long for. And that gift is enough. Thanks be to God. Amen.